We want to talk about it tonight, so take your book, uh, your Bible and go to the book of John, chapter 19, verse 40. And we're going to start uh, verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 40. John 19, verse 40. They took the body of Jesus... And wound it in linen clothes with spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden. In the garden a new sepulcher. Uh, wherein was, ma- uh, was never a man yet laid. Which means it was a, a borrowed tomb. Uh, there laid they Jesus. Therefore because, the Jew, uh, the, because of the Jews preparation day for the sep- uh, sepulcher was uh, nigh at hand. Now. We dealt with this Sunday. We dealt with the fact that Joseph of Arimathea took a lifetime to dig this hole. We dealt with all of that. But I want to show you something. You have to understand when we're talking about burying something. When you're burying something, you're saying goodbye to it. You're not, you know, the worst thing that people can do um, is just lay on top of a tomb and wail and mourn and sorrow. And those things are, you know, uh, Mourning lasts for a night. That's what the word says. But you're not supposed to get over into sorrow. You're not, because what that does is that breeds fear and it breeds pain. And Jesus died to take your pain. And, and you have to understand that, that once those things take place, you've settled yourself that you uh, will no longer walk the way that you walk because this has forever changed your life. The key to that is realizing that spiritually speaking, when you, when you crucify something, when you're, you refuse to let it have life and how you respond to it, and then you bury it, it should significantly change the rest of your life and your reaction to it. And the problem is, we think we're doing these things. We think that we're going to the altar and we're laying them down. And, 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 and before we even get on our second knee to get up, we're already reminding ourselves or wondering how are we going to walk this out now. That's not up to you. I want you to understand some things, and we're going to get over into Lazarus. We talked about Lazarus a little bit Sunday morning. I want, to, I want to show you one thing, just one very simple thing, and then we're going to go to the house. That's okay with y'all? Because uh, it's Wednesday night, and, and if, I, if I don't throw you a steak on Wednesday night, y'all get offended about it. So I'm going to throw something at you, and I really want you to hear it. I want you to, to understand where we're going with it. I want you to go to the book of John, chapter 11. Verse 1, John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus. We all know this story. Verse 2, it was Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment. Now there's stop right there. Let's deal with this. Sometimes, now these were the people that when, when they found out that he was dead or when, uh, when, when he showed up on the scene, uh, they, these are the very ones that ran up to Jesus and said, had you been here, this, not, this wouldn't have happened. These are the same people that fell over into fear and emotionalism immediately. She is the one that anointed his feet. Do you understand the significance? That the ones that think they're in the anointing the most and the most spiritual and that grew up in this thing, and I, I, you know, I know God, those are the ones that turn the quickest because what they have is a church-learned reaction and not an experience with God. They have a relationship with Jesus that is not a relationship with Jesus. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? They have a relationship with church. They had a relationship with being where Jesus was, hearing what Jesus was preaching. But they never let what Jesus said get deep down into who they are and made them become somebody that when all things worked uh, for the good, they didn't recognize it. You see what I'm saying? There's too many times in your life that you get over into the place where you have this learned behavior of Christ, which is really not the truth because you haven't learned Christ. You just know Jesus, and Jesus loves me, this I know. Well, he does love you, but it's just like this. You can live in the marketplace and you can live a life to where you're, you're a king in the marketplace and you go out and you do business and all these different things, and the truth is, my God in heaven, there's diamonds falling from the ceiling. Anybody lose a ring? Is that Aaron's? Thank you, Jesus. That's like them gold teeth showing up in revival. Uh, (laughs) I just lost my place. You're in the marketplace. And and I I don't know how many of y'all watch the news, but I I love the news. I'm a political junkie. I love it. I I would be in politics or a lawyer if I I was doing things my way. But uh, they were talking uh, last night on Fox News about some things, and, and they were talking about freedom of religion in the marketplace. Well, the marketplace is no place for freedom of religion because you may be, and this is the example they gave, you may be a Rastafarian. How many of y'all know what a, what a Rastafarian is? That means they live life stoned. That's what they, they, they living off the herb. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, exactly. And you could be that in this country. It's a wonderful thing. Great. Knock yourself out. But the marketplace does not have to accept you. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to be accepted. And see, they're trying to change the nature of the country that, that you, can, you can be and act. And it all started because of the shooting in Texas. And I don't have time to go through the spiritual warfare in that. But here's what it comes down to. That is infiltrating the church. And if I can just be a self-made man and the church accept me, then I've changed the culture of the church. See, and that's why, that's why the words seeker-friendly have almost become cuss words in the church. Because you can be seeker-friendly and pull a thousand people in here, but you're not discipling them into anything. And they're going out and they're making all these boasts about Jesus, but they're saved from what to what. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? And it's because they're not dying to things in their life and they're misusing grace and saying, Jesus loves me, this I know. And the truth is, this is what was going on here. Mary, which anointed the Lord, she anointed the Lord. Think about that for a minute. She put anointing on the anointed one. How close do you have to be to anoint the anointed one? And completely missed what she was doing completely missed that she was sowing into life. So let's, let's move forward and let's, let's deal with this. Now, we're going to get back into this and, and, and move on down. Uh, I want you to go to verse 25. Well, do verse 22. Verse 22, Cameron, I'm sorry. Well, verse 21. It's all good. Go to verse 21. I could preach off all these scriptures. It's like, I'm in. Then said Martha unto Jesus, uh, Lord, here we go. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That is the equivalent of God. Why are you doing this to me? Did Jesus do this? Let's deal with this right now. Did Jesus do this? Did God do this? No. But this is where we get the quote Well, you know, whatever will be, will be. This is where we get all of this stuff. And Jesus goes on to say, this is what he said, your brother 
will rise again. Now, the mindset of religious people in that day, they, they, they understood that he might have been talking about the third heaven. But he goes on to deal with it straight up, right in their face, and say, here's the deal. I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 25, he that believes in me, though he were dead, amen, you shall live. And there are things in your life that you've put to death over the last five weeks. And though those things are dead, you shall live. Amen? Now, here, here's what you got to understand. Verse 26. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe. He's asking them. Do you believe this? Do y'all see the importance? Now, we try to take this and say, it's easy. It's, oh, Jesus loves me. I'm covered by grace. Uh, I mean, it's proven right here. He loves me no matter where I'm at. What I'm, no more, Jesus loves me. And he does. He does. But he also goes on to say this. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me, which means that everything that you believe, you're living. It's one thing to know. It's another thing to believe and live. So here's what we got to see. When Lazarus came out of tomb, uh, the tomb and all the, uh, let's, let's deal with this. Verse 40, uh, let's see. Let's, let's, let me, let me uh, really, I, w- I want to take my time here, but, but you've got to understand something. Um, let's start at verse uh, 40, 41. They took away the stone uh, from the place where the dead were laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, which means Jesus had to pray about this. Y'all, your prayer lives matter. Amen? And I knew that you hear me. There's a key, boom, right there. You have, if you're living and believing, you know he hears you. There's no question. There's no question. I know that you hear me always, but because, listen, but because of the people which stand by uh, when I said it, that they may believe uh, that you have sent me, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Y'all know the story. He spoke, he declared, he called. The thing that he prayed, he now declared. There's a key right there. When you pray something and don't have the boldness to declare it as if it's done, you haven't prayed. I don't care how many tongues you pray in. I don't care how many roll, aisles you roll down. I don't care if your house glows with the anointing when you walk by. You have got to declare his word as if it's done because you've prayed it and believed that it's done. Does this make any sense to you? Now, let me explain something to you why this is important. And he goes on and, and he calls Lazarus forth. In verse 44, he, said, he makes flesh loose, flesh loose that man and let him go. Now, let me deal with one thing. I've I, I got one assignment to deal with one thing and then we're done, okay? Why do you think and, and I didn't read it to you, but we read it Sunday morning. You go back and read this story. When it first came to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, they said these words. Matter, let me just read it to you because I, I do you just disjustice. Uh, uh, if I don't show it to you, you just it's, it's my job to make sure you see it. Oh, uh, where am I at? Okay. Verse 9. Well, let's go to verse 8. His disciples say unto him, Master, 
The Jews of late have sought to stone thee, and goest thou neither again. Jesus said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And he deals with all this. And then he says in verse 10, uh, but if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth. And he lays out all these things. And then this is what he said. Our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may awake him. And the disciples, uh, then his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. How be, how be it? Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. They didn't understand what he was saying. And then finally Jesus just says, look, Lazarus is dead. This right here, now, now listen, I, I realize I'm, I'm, I'm jumping around on you, but you've got to understand what these two things mean. Jesus was trying to soften the blow to his disciples because they were clearly getting into fear. And he was trying to get them from fear over into faith to agree, because Jesus needed agreement too. He needed to get them over into agreement so that it wasn't such a battle in his mind and in his spirit to be able to declare Lazarus come forth. Now, do y'all, do y'all see how this works? Now, once he did this, they kept pressing him because they were in fear. Well, he finally just said, obviously you don't get what I'm saying in the spirit, so in this world, Lazarus is dead. There is no switch. See, this is where people get this mindset. Well, see, Lazarus, he was clearly asleep which means Jesus himself said that he was in purgatory. So obviously we don't go to heaven. Well, the Bible says to be absent, the body's present with the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus looked at the thief and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So get all that crap out of your head. Amen. When you die, you with Jesus, if you believe in him. If you not, let's fix that tonight. Amen. Why, though, did he have to go to these links to explain this? I got one point. I know y'all think that's a shocker for me, and it is. (laughs) I've got one point. The reason, listen to me, that the disciples, Mary and Martha, the reason everybody got into fear and the uproar over Lazarus, Lazarus was because of one simple thing. He was one of the biggest givers into that ministry. Their faith was in the money. And if your faith is in your job, your money, your ability to make money or the people giving you money. There's a reason he had to give a speech of believe in me. Are are y'all seeing this? Believe and live. Because when you have your faith on anything other than him, when your eyes are not stayed upon him, perfect peace cannot manifest. Perfect peace in every single area, no matter what you're in. If you do not live a life where you are solely focused and your eyes are stayed upon him, you actually set yourself up to be over into a state of fear because you're looking at what is going on in, inside of or what's going on in the tomb. I, I got in heaven, Jesus, if you'd have just been here, if you'd have been here, my car wouldn't have got repossessed. If you'd have been here in my prayers, I'd have had money to pay my bills. Well, if you'd have been believing and living rather than believing and hoping... You cannot hope the word. You you cannot, I remember, I mean, we've all done it. We've all popped open the Bible, threw it down and just stood. I stand on your word. Are you crazy? Come on, man, get it in you. Let your heart be written on. If anything's going to change you, let it be what he says. Let it be what, what, what comes out of you should be him. Listen, you, you got to understand, there is a place in him where all hell is breaking loose and it looks like death. 
Man is wrapped up in cemetery clothing and all they're worried about is the man that paid my bills, the man that sowed into this ministry and gave me my salary, the one that gave us the money to live on the road with 12 people is gone. He wasn't your source. Y'all, can I just go ahead and just tell you something? Read the book of John really in detail. Jesus was wealthy. Why do you think he hung out with Lazarus? Lazarus, read it, he would not profess Christianity publicly for fear of the Jews until he was resurrected. Oh, see, now we're back to resurrection. See, y'all thought I forgot where we were. See, I knew right where we were. But something changed when he came out of the grave clothes. He was now believing and living, not just believing and hoping. Are y'all seeing this? And everybody, it doesn't matter the people in the crowd. There's always those people that think that they're, they're all that. There are always those people that think they've got it all together. There's always those people that think, I am invincible. We're not. There's always that situation where, see, it, it comes to a simple fact of there's things that we're good at, and when there's things that we're good at, we don't need God in them. What you don't understand is that's where you need God the most because your pride will find you out and it'll put you on your face and it, however long it takes you to get there, it will be the worst time of your life. And the truth is, Jesus said, loose that man and let him go as a depiction of the church delivering and helping the deliverance process happen from believing and hoping into believing and living. And what we've done is we've made church a show. Y'all have heard me say this a thousand times. And I love the move of the Holy Ghost. Man, y'all just don't understand. When I got Sunday morning when the Holy Spirit said, okay, I want you to lay hands on some folks, y'all just don't understand how excited I get because I know there's things happening. But we, we, here's what happens. There's a term that's, that's, that's this, repetition breeds contempt. How many churches of Pentecostal folks have we been in where every single service the same people have hit the floor? And, and you see them on Monday flipping somebody off going into Walmart. Cussing somebody out at the restaurant. Throw, won't tip the waitress. Praise the Lord. I'm awfully quiet in this Holy Ghost church. Hey, me too. I, I'm, not, I'm not judging you. Hey, I thought I had Hannibal fixing to raise her hand and go, me too. I was like, who are you cussing? <laughs> <laughs> there comes a point my wife will tell you I, I'm in the deepest zone of my life to the point that, that my children are like talking to me and I'm not there she'll be like they're talking to you because I'm so focused I'm so focused on these grave clothes coming off me because if I can get it I can get you to get it see are we not seeing this happen already I, I, I was sitting down at Canaan land teaching these guys and when I, when I broke through and got them to understand that I was not there to judge them, hurt them, cause them problems, that I was there to help them walk in something fresh, their eyes changed, the countenance changed. And the truth is, you need to go back and read uh, with Cain and Abel. There's one statement that will change your life. And I preached it, and I, I'll probably preach on it again soon. God himself came to Cain before he murdered his brother and he said these words why has your countenance 
fallen. Which means I don't care how spiritual you think you are, you can't hide from a spiritual man what's going on. Sherry, I preached that message. Sherry was in what was it, Walmart? The very next day. Sherry, tell them what the little girl said. Little boy. Mommy, why is that lady so mad? And she went, ooh, we don't realize that we show our life whether we know it or not. See, the reason Lazarus had to come forth was to show a new life because now he really believed. And I've been in church a long time, but I'm just now really believing. Y'all, we've been getting some me. I've been slinging steaks at y'all for a month. We're not patting ourselves on the back, but the church down the road ain't getting this. I was talking to somebody the other night, and they're a worship-oriented church, and that's great. I, trust me, I love worship. But, but when I say the words glory, they think, oh, we're just worshiping praise the Lord. Now, they don't know Jack, but they want glory. But they have no idea what glory really is, which is a manifested promise. How are you going to get to manifested promise? Believing and living, but when, when you pray it, you can declare it. Anything you pray in your prayer closet is what you'll declare publicly. Which means anything you act like privately, it'll come out of your mouth. Are y'all seeing it? There is no way to hide from God. It amazes me. The people that think that, that, you know, I can just be here and I can be here. And, and pastor, you know, I'm, listen, I'm just going to tell you, it amazes me, the preachers. Well, that's right. I'll stop there because I don't want to be dishonorable. But I, I, I'm at a place. I'm at a place, and I hope as a church we're at a place because we're all walking this out together, that we realize there is more to what we're supposed to be doing than showing up and hearing three points. There's more. I, I, I thank God for the opportunity to, to get on my face and, and get into Ephesians and, and get the right growth track, which is a term that all churches are using now, but the right growth track for us. See, because you can't just take a model and use it unless God tells you exactly how he wants it done. And, and although a system is proven, I don't want a system. I want his grace and anointing on it so the system works. So this church, y'all, y'all got to understand, there are people watching every single one of you, hoping to God that you're real. Hoping to God that what comes out of your mouth is really what you pray in private. Listen, you got to understand something. The biggest giver in the place was in the tomb. Which means they saw the end of the ministry where he saw the beginning of a new life. Looking completely past the fact that Jesus in this world had more money than Lazarus had. Read the book of John. You'll see that he had a house big enough to to house himself and 12 other men and were eating and sleeping and doing well. Read your Bible. This whole mindset, well, Jesus didn't have nowhere to lay his head. That's because he was walking in the desert, idiot. (laughs) I shouldn't have said idiot. 
I was talking to somebody that argues with me, not you. How do I dig out of that? I can't dig out of that. Repent, repent, yeah. My bad, that's my repentance, my bad. There are some people that just kind of just, that verbal diarrhea just makes you say that. Got to get healed from that, got to crucify that. So here's the thing. Jesus himself, listen now, there's a key here. Jesus himself, who was wealthy, Y'all got to, let me, let me explain it because I really feel a pull here. You, some of y'all don't believe that he was wealthy. The man had kings show up at his birth dumping out gold. Well, it was just three. No, sir, read your Bible. It was called the Magi. There's 40 or more. And those 40 or more had a custom of giving a third of their wealth. A third. So you got 40 thirds come on now you take 40 of the wealthiest men in this country that give you a third of their wealth are you worried about money tomorrow is your charter cable bill getting cut out no think about it that's but even Jesus who had all of that never looked and said that's my source never y'all were going to a place in the ministry where God and all of us in here are tithers all of you in here are people who understand the word all of us in here get what God's doing but it's time to take that other step forward into something that we hadn't been in yet it's time to walk in something we've heard people shout and spit about but they've never seen themselves and I am a firm believer that as a preacher I shouldn't be preaching things if they're not manifesting in my life I believe that. I believe I shouldn't be up here talking about uh, healing broken hearts and, and healing bodies and all these things if that hadn't happened in my ministry. I'm a firm believer. Listen, I, I've sat under too many people that have tried to talk to me about love and almost cussed me out in office. I've been under too many people that want to talk about uh, God's going to bless you, God's going to bless you, God's going to bless you and can't even get in their office quick enough to count the offering and complain about what they don't have. That has got to stop. And it, I want it to stop. I want it to be, uh, but I can't make it stop in every other church. But bless God, we ain't every other church. We're us. We're not better. We're not worse. We're a family. And in this family, if God blesses the head, he blesses the whole family. That's how it works, Steve. If, if, if everybody settles into it, if everybody's hearing what the head says, and we're going forward, and not everybody's going to get there at the same time. But I learned a long time ago, they used to try to get me they used to try to get me to be a preacher preacher. When you, when you, when you train under Danny Owens be like I did and you travel with Chris Owens be like I did and your pastor's Tracy Harris like it is, people expect you to preach a certain way. And I just got to the place where I would tell people, y'all go ahead and run. I'm going to walk, but we're going to get there at the same time. And the people I talked to, see, I gave up that, I gave up all that flashy stuff. I did. I, honestly, if you walk out of here on Sunday and sit down in a restaurant and talk about how boring my preaching is, you have no idea what I just said. You have no idea. That means you didn't hold your plate out when the steak was coming flying at you. Y'all, let me tell you something. It ain't just me. April Bailey in 15 minutes turned this church on its ear Sunday morning. In 15 minutes. She needs to preach more, don't she? She's like, shut up, Alan. <laughs> so here's what you got to understand. If Philippians 4.19, put that up there, Cameron. 
If Philippians 4.19 is true, put it on the Amplified. Well, let them read it in the King James first so they'll know what, they'll, it'll, it'll click the minute you read it. But my God shall supply them your needs according to, now go to Amplified. Liberally supply, what are the next four words? Fill to the full. Your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Fill to the full. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to share something that I wasn't planning on sharing and then, then we're going to pray and be done. God is stretching me in ways that are so uncomfortable. Um, Y'all know the story of God sending a man I didn't know 12 hours to help me get through my written and my FAA exam and all these different things. And What y'all, most of y'all knew was I had access, complete and total access to two planes at Canaan Land anytime I wanted them. I'm a son of that ministry. So now, this is, God's got to, sometimes I just want to look at God and go, Really? Now, I've got my FAA written out of the way, and I can move into airtime. The very, the very moment that I can move into airtime, I have no access to the planes anymore. They're both in Texas. They're going to be there a while. Brother Copeland's keeping the one I need to train his guys. Who does he think he is? <laughs> so do y'all think that he put that in my heart to pull it away from me? See, religion says that. Religion says God gives and God takes. No, no, no. What he's doing is he's saying, every point where you thought you could turn was not me. Now you put your eyes on me. Hey, I'm excited. I really am. I'm excited because what that means is I'll be stepping into a cockpit with somebody that, that, that would probably train me. Not, I'm not saying that the people down there training me are bad because they're very good pilots. But there are people who can train you in ways others can't. So what does that got to do with us, Pastor? Everything. Because if y'all were honest, and don't raise your hands, but if you were honest, y'all are all being stretched right now. Some comfortable ways, some uncomfortable ways, some, some moves you're making right, some moves you're making wrong. But the truth is, God is forever a merciful God and wants at every moment to get you back to the place that you're hearing His voice and your eyes are stayed upon Him so perfect peace can manifest and fill to the full your every need. Amen. There comes a time in your life at 42 years old where I can't go as fast as I used to go. My God, we played kickball last week and I'm just now able to walk. I cleaned the carpet this morning and I thought, Lord, I need healing. Jesus. I need a hip replacement. I mean, that's how I felt. But we do that spiritually, y'all. We get lazy. We get old. God never designed us to sit around and watch football all day long. Now, those are wonderful days, but he didn't design that every day. He designed us to be active. He designed us, our bodies not to die. We, you realize we have to actively go against what our body was designed to do for it to die. Y'all realize that? So, same thing in the spirit. You have to actively go against what God's putting in you for death to happen. Unless you crucify then he lets death in. Then you bury. 
and the life's coming. Amen. God is your source. God is your source. Your inheritance is not your source. Your husband's not your source. Your wife's not your source. Your job is not your source. Your checking account, your CDs are not your source. Uh, your church is not your source. God is your source. Amen. Y'all, y'all learn anything? I want y'all to get that because we're fixing to move Sunday into the life. God in heaven, are y'all ready for that? Man, I'm ready. I'm ready for that. I'm ready to get out of all this death and burial stuff. I mean, because that's the old man. We go into the new man. Now, if y'all want to go stay in the old man, you're going to be very uncomfortable for the next few weeks. I just want you to know that. We might break out in a Holy Ghost fit. We might have a come apart. Y'all might have some mascara run right into your blush right now. Bam. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, yeah. So stand to your feet. Let's prepare our hearts because we're going into another level.